Or you want to run the story? You got five hours until eight o'clock. You're listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. Welcome to the Collegian Weekend Review. Here's your hosts, Maddie Welsh and Lauren Scott. Welcome to the Collegian Weekend Review. We're your hosts, Maddie Welsh and Lauren Scott. And this week we'll be hearing from Tess Owen about conspiracy theories, Reagan Lindy about studying art at Hillsdale. We'll hear from Aubrey Gulick about the conflict between Russia and the Ukraine. And finally, we'll hear from Elizabeth Troutman about renovations that are happening at the college. This is Lauren interviewing Tess Owen, a collegian reporter, and she wrote an article about students opening up about some of their favorite conspiracy theories. Tess, do you mind telling me a little bit more about this article? Sure thing. Um, it, was a, it was a good time. So just at one of the collegian meetings, it, I saw it was being pitched and it sounded fun, so I volunteered to take it. And literally, I think it was that same night on my way out, I went to go grab some tea from AJ's, which I usually do. And I ran into my friend Michael, who's actually involved with Collegian, and then um, another barista named Camden. So I was talking to them about it, and they both um, started telling me about their different conspiracy theories. Um, But since I knew that Michael was involved with Collegian, he wasn't my first go-to to ask an interview, but they recommended a bunch of people they knew. Unfortunately, all those people kind of fell through. They didn't want to, either they didn't want to be interviewed or their girlfriends didn't want them to be interviewed. <laughs> so Michael and Camden uh, both were really eager actually to share. So they were the first people to. What were some of the conspiracies that they discussed? Okay, so I'd say the, there was like two main categories of conspiracies, political and spiritual kind of. Um, the main political ones had to do with COVID and AIDS, especially, and both, like, AIDS vaccines. And and I guess both were also connected with Fauci. So definitely controversial. Um, and then, and also, like, uh, also of a political nature, any federal agency was really exciting for them. So anything to do with CIA, FBI. Um, and then the more political ones I found very interesting Um the main one Michael told me about was this, his theory that there was this metaverse ad that ha- was satanic, basically, and involved all this Zoroastrian imagery. Um, and then Camden, he's just really fascinated with this. Uh, I don't think he actually espouses this, but it had to do with aliens and alien sightings being like demons and demonic sightings. So very interesting and strange. What was the most surprising thing you heard from the students or from a student? I think the the like demonic possession slash UFO sighting was one of the strangest to me. Something the one that I thought was hilarious and I think I think it's my favorite one I heard was Truman's theory that there's a federal agent disguised as a student on campus. So Wow. Yeah. That the, is neat. I was I found that pretty funny. And I understand that you didn't just interview students, but you also interviewed a professor. <laughs> Why don't you tell me a little bit about that? Okay, yes. Unfortunately, it was it had to be a really brief interview since he was um, super busy. But I interviewed Dr. Storr of the history department, and he teaches uh, regularly teaches a course on conspiracy theories. Although he made it pretty clear that he teaches it from the angle as that basically it's like a class examining 
logical fallacies in, as they happen in the real world. So, and they're also a little more fantastical, a little less politically oriented. For example, they talk about the Loch Ness Monster, Area 51, Atlantis, stuff like that. Is there something interesting that you learned while writing this article that maybe you did not include? Something I heard was that apparently different federal agencies regularly infiltrated different rallies or organizations. Um, And apparently they released a document. And originally I included that and then used that as a... um, a starting point to talk about Truman's conspiracy theory about students, a, a federal agent being on campus. All right. Well, thank you, Tess. That's mm-hmm. actually all the questions I have for you today. But thank you so much for joining us on the show. Of course. Thanks for having me. You're listening to the Collegian Week in Review. I'm Maddie Welsh, and I'm here with Reagan Lindy, this week's student artist spotlight in the Collegian. Reagan, why don't you tell me a little bit about what it's like to be a student artist at Hillsdale? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely been a very interesting ride. Um, When I got to Hillsdale, I had no intention of being an art major because I thought like, oh, that's so weird. I'm going to go do politics and like that would be such a vibe. Um, And then I started working for SAB, which was kind of the like original way that I got that creative outlet was through doing all of our backdrops and all of the normal stuff that we do for SAB. Um, And then my sophomore year, I started taking a sculpture class. And that was the one that just like sealed the deal, convinced me to be an art major. Um, And since that point, it's been super fun. It's a very interesting department. We have lots of very fun faculty that we get to explore a lot and get really close with them. And that's been really cool to just have such like mentorship um, throughout my time in the program. But it's been a vibe. It's been very fun. I'm sad to go. So, yeah. So you're an art and politics double major. Yes, ma'am. Tell me about that. What is, how do they kind of overlap do they overlap oh man yes they do absolutely I can give you my like Hillsdalian liberal arts answer um, I always talk about the fact that politics is a study of communities done well um, and the basis of those communities is kind of the individual and the family that's what grounds our society in order to have a strong community you need strong individuals strong families but all of that is dedicated and directed towards things being done well and well-oriented um, art on the other hand is the study of things done beautifully um, and so the two of them really tie together because in order to have strong communities that are operating in a like wise um, fashion, you need to have a good understanding of beauty and beauty at its core. Um, it usually shows an underlying structure of perfection. I think I talked about that in a little bit in my Q&A, um, that when we see things that are beautiful, that usually hints that there's something going on underneath that is good, that is true. Um, and so in the study of politics, like we should look to the communities that are beautiful because they're understanding something that we're not seeing on the surface. So the beautiful shows us that there's something good going on inside. And so dig into that further. So the two of them have really been able to like pair well together in terms of just who I am as an individual. I've loved politics to kind of provide more of that like academic drive. Art is a really good outlet for me to just like, I'm going to go vibe in the studio for like five hours when I don't want to write my papers. So it's been really good to have both in my collegiate career. What kind of art do you do? Mm. I I guess technically all of the mediums other than photography, because I don't really enjoy that one as much, but I really just stick to sculpture. That's been my main one, but I just really move like towards Western art. And so I'm hoping to get into like actual OG like bronze sculptures someday. I think that would be very cool and like stick with my little landscape paintings would be a vibe. What is it about sculpture that's so special? Mm. I loved it. Like obviously it's nostalgic because that was the class that like made me fall in love with art. 
Um, so it definitely channels more of the academic side because it's like constantly flipping back and forth between like having a strong structure of anatomy and understanding of anatomy and the body and physiology, how all of that works, but it also requires an eye for aesthetics. So you're kind of constantly going back and forth between being like, okay, did I like sculpt the back correctly? And like, oh, but does this like, does the form of the figure look correct? Does the movement look correct? Does the feel look correct? Um, I love that it's so hands-on literally because you're like sculpting it with your hands. Um, but it's been really, it's a really cool medium because it really just allows you to like fully understand the thing that you're working on. Like painting is, it's just all about relationships. It's all about like shapes of colors. You're not really like learning to understand the thing in itself, if that makes sense. Like if you're sculpting, if you're sculpting someone, you're like looking at who they are, what it looks like, what the shape of the skull is. And you're also trying to capture like the spirit of who that person is. In painting, you're like, ah, oh, yes, this is like a blotch of pink right next to a little bit of blue next to a little bit of orange next to a little bit of yellow and like all of that together makes a face but it doesn't tell me like who you are whereas sculpture is like just more in depth so what are you going to do with art going forward after college that's the million dollar question um as of right now I'm planning on pursuing a master's in counseling so art has done a great job of preparing me you know just to learn how to be empathetic to understand the way that things work together painting is all about relationships um it's all about how colors are playing off of one another and counseling in so many ways is understanding like how people are playing off of one another how the situation looks and it's necessary to have empathy in those situations so art has taught me a lot about what it means to be a person how to understand people so if art for the rest of my life only goes as far as that in terms of teaching me who people are and how to understand them that's okay but also, I mean, I would love to continue to do art for years and years and years. I don't know if I'll ever be a professional because I kind of want to continue to love it. Um, I never want to rely on it to put money out there to put bread on the table. But I would like to keep it in my life as much as I can. If I'm painting in five years from now, that'll be a win. Thank you for coming on the show, Reagan. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. The Collegian Weekend Review continues. This is Lauren, and I'm here with Aubrey Gulick, an assistant editor for the Collegian, and she wrote two articles talking about the Russia-Ukraine conflict. So the first article was actually a Q&A with a Hillsdale professor who used to live in Ukraine. Do you mind telling me a little bit about this, Aubrey? Yeah, so I interviewed um, Dr. Charles Steele. He's uh, chairman of the Business and Economics and Accounting Department at Hillsdale. Um, so he spent two and a half years teaching economics in Kiev, actually, and then spent half a year teaching in Russia. Um, so he has a lot of contacts in the Ukraine. Um, he's still in contact with a lot of the students there. And um, yeah, and so he had a very um, definite opinion about what's going on right now. What were some of his opinions? Well, first off, he thinks Russia has no business being in the Ukraine, obviously. Um and he thinks that the West should respond with economic sanctions that will cripple Russia, but not necessarily put troops on the ground. He does think we should be supplying military aid to Ukraine, but opposes having actual Americans like, you know, on the ground in Asia or not Asia, sorry, in Europe, because uh, he thinks that we would honestly not do very well out there. So. Why does he think Putin has decided to attack now? So the way he um, phrased it to me, essentially, Putin has, is looking at the United States and at the West, and he sees that we're not strong enough to 
or we're not willing rather to actually oppose him. Um, Biden has been kind of unclear about what he actually thinks and what 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 he's actually willing to do. And um, so Putin is taking advantage of that. He's really great at taking advantage of this thing, the, these types of things. Um, for Dr. Steele, this is why he didn't invade while Trump was in office. Trump was very clear about what he would do if Putin did something like this. What does Dr. Steele think about Ukraine's president right now? So I think uh, Dr. Steele someone admires um, President Zelensky. He ran in 2019 and um, on an anti-corruption platform, and he's been fairly faithful to it, um, but still believes he's been kind of hamstrung by a lot of the bureaucracy in Ukraine, very similar to the way that Trump, well, well Steele believes Trump was hamstrung by the bureaucracy in the United States, and, and they kind of got along as well. And he thinks that liberals in the United States have never forgiven Zelensky for that. Um, yeah, so I, I think he's pretty impressed by what Zelensky's been able to do and his commitment to defending the Ukraine. What was the most interesting thing you learned while interviewing Dr. Steele? I think, <laughs> well, this had nothing, to, very little to do with Ukraine. So Ukraine and Russia have very different ethnic backgrounds, but they, um, the, the Ukrainians are, were somewhat, um, the, the European version of cowboys once upon a time. And the leading, um, the, the leading guy in a Ukrainian, like, I guess, system of government would carry around a mace. And Dr. Steele actually has one of these maces in his office that he was very proud of and showed me. Anyway, so that was an interesting fact. Nothing about the conflict, but it was kind of cool anyway. Moving on to the second article you wrote about professors reacting to the Russia-Ukraine conflict, what were some of the responses you received? Widely, I think m every professor I interviewed believed that Russia has no business being in the Ukraine. Um, but they, they disagreed about the way the West ought to respond. Um, Professor uh, Dr. Steele, that, um, who we talked about earlier, believes that economic sanctions are, severe economic sanctions are what we need to use to respond. Um, when he interviewed Dr. Calvert, he expressed some concern that those economic sanctions won't be enough and that they won't take um, place like soon enough and or impact Russia soon enough. And so we need to be sending like military aid. Um, probably the most, I want, it's not radical, but the, the most, um, the strongest opinion I got about the response that we should have was from Dr. Gutierrez, who believes that we actually do need to put boots on the ground, that America has a responsibility to help the Ukraine. Um, he saw responsibility as being central to the, the way and the, fr the framework that we ought to look at this issue. Who are some of the other professors that you interviewed and what did they have to say? So I interviewed Dr. Steele, um, and then I interviewed Dr. Calvert, who's a professor at the history department, and Dr. Gutierrez, who is a military strategist at, in the history department as well. Is there anything that you found out that you did not include in these articles? Yeah, so something that was um, kind of cool was that um, there's actually a Hillsdale alumnus who is living in the Ukraine right now and is in contact with Dr. Steele. And... Yeah, and that was just kind of cool to realize that Hillsdale actually has a connection in the Ukraine. Like, somebody there who, I mean, went to this school, earned a degree in economics, is trying to start a business there. And, yeah, and is now, I believe, like, actually fighting for Ukraine and helping them, which is really cool. That's wonderful, Aubrey. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you. 
Radio Free Hillsdale's The Collegian Week in Review continues. I'm Maddie Welsh, and I'm here with Elizabeth Troutman, who is an assistant news editor for The Collegian. This week, she wrote about the college's plans to renovate the health center and more. Tell us a little bit more about this story. So the college has several plans for construction in the future. The construction company is called Falk Construction Company. Um, Chief Administrative Officer for the college, Rich Payway, told me this information that the health center is going to be renovated. So that's planning to happen either the spring or June, something along that time. And it's expected to be finished, I believe, by the time students get back to school. So what they're going to be doing is doing an addition on the back of the health center because with the increase in students and faculty and faculty families who want to use the health center resources such as the physician rooms the counseling rooms they have a lot of needs for another nurse station and just a lot more space to be able to do what they do so yeah and the health center is actually one of the oldest buildings on campus I believe it was built in around 1820 so it's pretty old And yeah, so there's some need for some renovations there. They're also going to be redoing all the windows in the health center. They're going to be doing some renovations to the top floor. And um, Brock Lutz, the director of health services, said he's very excited about these renovations and it's really going to help the health center do what they do better. There's also several other things happening. The marketing department is moving into what used to be an elementary school on campus. They're going to be moving in in the same building as the Barney Charter School Initiative. So that's going to be all together there. And then also the security office is moving into the lower level of the NOR Student Center. So that will be a little bit more accessible to students as well. And very exciting as they are redoing the bathrooms of Olds Residence, one of the oldest dorms on campus. The bathrooms have been looking a little rough. So that will be a great gift to the freshman girls. What was the demand for these renovations? So, like I said, there's been a lot of demand with the amount of students Hillsdale has compared to past years. They're also, yeah, they're hiring a lot more faculty. Another renovation I forgot to mention earlier is that they're going after they finish um, with the new contact center, which is moving downtown. We had a previous article about that. But yeah, once that project is finished, then the basement of Kindle will be opened up. And so they're going to be able to add about 13 more faculty offices down there in the basement of Kindle. So it kind of shows the health center that all the different departments moving kind of shows just the growth in the college and the need for more space for students, faculty, their families, and as far as health goes, offices, all the different several departments in the college just a lot of need for to give the college a little bit more room to grow what do you think this tells us about the direction the college is going in I would say it tells us a lot. It definitely shows us how much the college is growing and that the college is really willing to do whatever it takes to de- to meet the demand that is arising with the increase in students and faculty that sometimes I think at the college we feel like we get a little bit crowded uh, library, sometimes you can't find a place to sit, various things like that, but shows that the college is really doing whatever it can to meet the demand and yeah, make the college a place that has enough space for students and room to grow. As recognition of the college increases, I feel like Hillsdale's become a lot more of a national name in the past few years, especially with everything with COVID and everything. Now that you know the college is getting a lot more recognition, a lot more applicants, it just shows that there's just a lot of need for the college to grow. What are you most looking forward to in terms of these renovations and these moves? 
I mean, I'm excited about all of these. I'm really glad for the college to have a more updated health center. I'm excited for the faculty to have more space to have their own offices. I'm excited about, I work in the marketing office, so I'm excited to have a little bit more space there. And of course, I'm excited to not have to cross the street and risk getting hit by a car every time I want to visit my friends at security. But I have to say, I'm most excited for the renovation of the Olds bathrooms because it's been a long time coming. I myself did not live in Olds, but I've still been in the bathrooms. I've washed my face in the bathrooms. And I just really think that it was time. And I know that the Olds house director, Rachel Marinko, told me she's really excited about it. Some old girls told me they're really excited about it. Even though the ones who currently live there will not get to enjoy this renovation, they're glad for Olds girls after them to be able to have nicer bathrooms. Those bathrooms were one of the reasons I personally didn't want to live in Olds. And so that barrier in between Olds and more residents has now been torn down. And there's just all the more reason to live in Olds and to enjoy the brand new bathrooms that should be finished by the beginning of the next school year. So that's really exciting. The college has just had so many changes lately. You all may have covered recently that WebAdvisor is going away. They're renovating their software by replacing WebAdvisor and they're also renovating the Olds bathrooms. Thank you for coming on the show, Truman. Thank you so much for having me. You have been listening to the Collegian Week in Review on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM with your hosts, Lauren Scott and Maddie Welsh. You can find the Collegian on Instagram at hdalecollegian, or you can find us online at www.hillsdalecollegian.com. Again, you've been listening to the Collegian Week in Review on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. Yeah.